Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm your host. Thank you, as always, for tuning in on Apple Podcasts app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. It means the world to all of us, and all of us means one more than normal right now. It's very exciting. We'll get to him in a moment. But first and foremost, Patty Boyle. What's up, dog? Petey, what's up, buddy? G-Man in the win column, dude. Ronnie River, Ronnie Riverboat gives the Giants a win. How about that? How about it? Game out of the NFC East. We'll get into it. Also here, back as always, Rocco Del Fury. What's up, brother? Pete, my man, Patty Boyle, doesn't get no better than the PPR podcast. Hey. Looking forward to a great talk. Jets still in the dumpster. <laughs> Titans tightened up, and Derrick Henry ran through the Texans. And next is probably the rest of the AFC. Either on the train or you're on the tracks. <laughs> Derrick Henry, bro. It seems like what every every like six weeks, maybe he just rips one for like eighty plus, and is also the fastest and biggest guy on the whole field. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, but last but not least, a newcomer on Subway Sports Talk. It's been a long time coming. You're here for a special reason, but let's be honest, it, sh- it should have happened a long time ago. I'm ashamed it came to this, but nonetheless, last but not least, Chris Mule. What's up, brother? PD, what's up, my man? Uh, happy to come on with you, Rock and Pat. I just told you guys I've been a fan the past couple of weeks, but uh, I'm happy to come on and uh, talk it up with you guys. Absolutely. Trying to be a contributor right off the jump over here. You'd you be texting me uh, about the episodes. We're talking sports, me and you, all the time. Sunday morning, a cup of coffee and talking the spreads. Every single Sunday, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, not to say it's the only reason that you're on right now, but obviously this is, this is a big, big help here, right? And a big, big push as to why it happened right now. Your boy, Tua Tunga Viola, did I say that right? You did. You did. He is now the starter for the Miami Dolphins. And I'm almost happy the, this week worked out the way it did because usually we record Monday night. We come out Tuesday on the football episode. We switched it up because the World Series was starting Tuesday. Now look at us Tuesday night, and we have the biggest news of the week. We get to talk about it right here, right now. So, Chris, Mule, I never call you Chris. We talked about it before the show. Now I just did it anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to give you the floor. Tua is the starter. Fitz, who's won three out of four, is the backup. A, how are you feeling? B, how do you see it happening? C, what do you expect to happen moving forward? So I'll start with A. I'm definitely... Obviously, as a fan, I'm excited. I mean, that's number one. That goes without saying. Um, the way it happened, you know, I'm a little biased because I get to watch every snap. Because, I, you know, I buy the ticket. I get to watch the Dolphins play, even though no one wants to watch the Dolphins. But I try to watch every play. So I'm one of the few people in the country that thinks that Ryan Fitzpatrick is still playing like Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, for example, against the Jets last week, threw for three touchdowns, I think a buck 85. Um, I think he had two interceptions in the red zone um, against Seattle. They kicked five field goals. We're in the red zone three times, didn't score any touchdowns. So in my head, I've been saying to myself that, you know, maybe it is time when that is, I guess no one knows whether he's healthy or not. 
who knows? I mean, you draft the kid, you try to look past the injuries, but, you know, this is a little bit of a weird time, you know, because you come back from the bye week, you have the Rams, stout defense, Aaron Donald. I don't think any rookie QB wants to look at Aaron Donald on the other side of the line of scrimmage for their first start. But, listen, he gets two weeks to prepare for the Rams. I think they're playing Thursday night, not this week, but the week after, so they got a short week. Um, so, hopefully, you know, he gets those first-team reps. You know, Fitz led him the way a little bit the first six weeks, and uh, I'm excited, man, really. And I'm, a, you know, I'm one of a few, but I know the whole media is following it this week. But I'm one of, I'm one of few that has been, uh, I've been dying for this for uh, yeah. a long time now. And so. you, you know where I land on this situation. I've been texting you about I'm a Tua guy for a minute now since the draft. I was happy for you because the Dolphins last year to me seemed to prove their worth as a franchise to to care about their well being, and that all that means to me is like they play a brand of football under Brian Flores, that makes me want to watch them or makes me curious or want them to do good. Uh, they play really freaking hard. Fitzpatrick, obviously, with all his shortcomings, plays really freaking hard, and you can't take it away from him. But Tua is incredibly talented, and there is a world that that 100% exists that Tua didn't get hurt and was a true contention for the number one pick this year over Joe Burrow. That all needs to be remembered. Uh, and, Chris, great job by you with, you know, breaking down. I don't think it's fair to say that Fitzpatrick's been lights out because it's not true. Everyone's trying to act like he's been doing great because the Dolphins are overachieving in their eyes. I don't think if you talk to the coaches in Miami right now that they're overachieving. I think they think they're, you know, at least running the middle of the line right here and they could actually be doing better. And we know Fitzpatrick's ceiling. We know what it is. We don't know Tua's ceiling yet. It's very, very exciting. Rocco, going to you. Tua, is it the right time? Is it too early, too late? What's your, what's your talk, uh, your thought here on Tua Tungavola? I, I like the move right now. First off, I know you, uh, Mule, love your head coach, B. Flores, Brooklyn, stand up, poly prep guy, Pete. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. guys run through, guy, guys are run through a wall for him. They got the Adam Gase factor. Adam Gase leaves, Dolphins <laughs> immediately get better. Let's hope the Jets are next, Patty Boyle. But, um, no, listen, I think back to uh, your, your Giants, Pete. Kurt Warner mm. playing solid ball. Giants in contention. But it was time for Eli Manning. And that worked out pretty well for them. So, I see the Dolphins seeing this as a unique opportunity with the bye to get to us some reps, to get him ready for the latter part of the season, which has some tough matchups, mind you. And I also see Ryan Fitzpatrick as a bargain, Ooh. as a trade chip to some of these franchises, a la the Cowboys, maybe even our friend Patty Boyle's Browns. Oh Hill my Santa. gosh. So to collect some draft capital and keep building because look at how they got where they are today by the likes of trade and Tunstall. And they're going to love that Houston pick. That's oh, my in the gosh. Oh, yeah. And the pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, which is going to be in the, you know, the top at the end of the draft because the Steelers are a legit franchise. But they built through the draft. They're doing it right. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's the time. The time is now. At 3-3, three and three, do it. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. The Kurt Warner-Eli uh, Manning thing is not precisely one-to-one. 
because there's a there's a world where two is healthy and he's the starter day one, and you don't even go the Fitzpatrick route. But it's a great it's a great comparison because there were bumps in the road for the Giants after they went to Eli, right? It's not like he, you know, took over for Kurt Warner and they, you know, went to a Super Bowl their first year, or even, you know, how Big Ben steadied the Steelers early on in his career. It didn't happen that smoothly for the Giants and Eli Manning, obviously. But they were able to get to that higher point, that higher ceiling quicker under Eli because of the reps he got as a rookie. And Patty Boyle, I'm going to go to you now before I go back to Mule to let him, you know, really finish his his take here on the Dolphins. You're a guy who has had a carousel of quarterbacks for your team, who's seen a bunch of top or first-round picks come in, fail, have minimal success, fail. You might have one happening right now. When you look at this situation for Miami, is there a confidence here, or how do you see this playing out for Tua and the Dolphins? Well, let me just say that, that Pete, that the first reaction I had to when I, I saw the news uh, on Tuesday afternoon was I, I was pretty shocked. Um, and uh, I'm sure as Millet has seen, a, and a lot of Dolphins fans have seen, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for the most part, has been very good. I think he's had three out of the six games this year where he's been incredible. Uh, we saw him have a nearly flawless game on Thursday night football at the end of September against Jacksonville. We saw him uh, be able to sling it around with Josh Allen and, and keep Miami in the game against Buffalo. Uh, in which they almost came back and won that game. And, and we saw him, again, nearly flawless against San Francisco when they pounded the lights out of them 43-17 to 17 just last week in week five. And, you know, didn't have to do much against the Jets. So, for the most part, Fitzpatrick's been very good. And you've got a team this year in Miami playing in a pretty tough AFC East, one in which they are 3-3, three and three, and they're just on the outside looking into a playoff race and they're in playoff contention just a year removed from the beginning of the season we thought this team was going to be 0-16 they were going to be terrible for years to come even after they got to it and we saw how Brian Flores this team has clung to him and his coaching staff how they love to play for him and now we're looking at a team that is basically a year away from probably being in the playoffs so the fact that at three and three going into week seven, they've got a chance to make the postseason. I was stunned at first, but then you reconsider and you think back and you think back to the beginning of last year. And you think about how this team, regardless of how they've overachieved so far, they're still in rebuilding mode. Rock did a great job of mentioning all the draft picks they've got coming up the next two years, all the acquisitions they've made, all the young talent they have. When you consider that and you consider what Tua Tagovailoa could be, this move was kind of perfectly scripted and it was Brian Flores, almost like he wrote a book. And the last chapter was putting Tua finally into the starting position. And I, and I, as you're, if you're a Dolphins fan, you hope it comes together perfectly uh, because again, you didn't have preseason basically with COVID. So if that, that was a big thing where you really could have said, you know, all right, maybe if they did have that Tua would have been starting. And that's the reason why he wasn't to start out of the gate. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's all, we're all, it's all gonna, we're going to see how, how it works out. I think the biggest thing is his health. You know, that's the biggest criticism. The biggest skeptics of him is, can he stay healthy? We've seen the numerous injuries at Alabama. Um, so that's first and foremost is, can he stay healthy? Because he's 21, 22 years old, and you're hoping this is your quarterback for the next 15 years. Um, so obviously the health is first and foremost importance. Second, you just want to see him 
keep continuing to progress. And the thing where I think they don't trade Fitzpatrick, Rocco, is because not only is Fitzpatrick a great quarterback to learn from when you're behind him, but he's also a good quarterback to learn from when you're starting over him. The fact that he's going to push to a one, he's going to be competitive. Two, the fact that he's got 15 years of experience for numerous teams playing on numerous offenses. Um, I, I think this is, if you're a Dolphins fan, you're obviously very excited. You hope it's coming along perfectly. I'm, I'm just a little bit skeptical um, of the hype, all the hype he's gotten. I think Miami fans are going to expect the Dolphins and Tua to make the playoffs this year. And if they don't, that could put, unad- that could put unnecessary added pressure on him. I think it's going to be very important for Brian Flores to continue to coach him, continue to, I wouldn't say nurse him, but say, Hey, look, you know, think of the, Mm. think of the big picture here. I want you to learn from your mistakes. Um, And at the end of the day, again, you just hope he stays healthy because we know the talent he has. So I'm really not worried about the potential. We know this ceiling I think is about as high as it could be. You just hope he stays healthy, but um, I, I see this playing out pretty well i'm not going to buy into the hype of of him being the next dan marino just yet because we got to see it but again i think this is a pretty good step one for Tua and uh starting the game on sunday yeah and Uh, excuse me next week yeah right right, because there's the buy here and i I think your initial reaction is pretty similar to non-dolphins fans uh probably across the world it's like right away i felt the same way i was like wait wait, wait, hold on hold on on." right now they just won three out of four like what what's going on but then you really think about it, and this is what I'm going to ask Mule next. What is the true ceiling with Fitzpatrick at the helm? And how different is that ceiling with Tua? You know, obviously there's chances for more bumps. And, and Pat, your, your, your thoughts about him staying healthy, you know, understanding to throw the ball away, understanding not to take hits and get out of bounds are incredibly important for Tua to understand with the injury history. But, but Mule, the ceiling with Fitz is what? The ceiling and possibly the floor for Tua is what? So, yeah, I think, you know, Pat makes a good point. He pointed out the San Fran game. And I think that particular game would be this would be the ceiling for Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, you travel out west, you go play a San Fran team. You know, um, he went out there. They dominated. Uh, I believe he was uh, – he had a one – what is it? 155 is a perfect QBR. I think he had a 154. But, you know – we all we've all seen Fitzpatrick play. Rock's Rock's a fan of the Jets, so he knows he's been a quarterback over there. Um, you know, he is what he is. He'll he'll have a streak. He'll have a streak. He'll throw you know touchdown after touchdown. Then next week he'll throw for one touchdown, a couple interceptions. All right. You no, know, he he's been the same guy for a couple years now, for eighteen years now. <laughs> so to me, I see Ryan Fitzpatrick win games for us, and I'm not you know I'm happy. Of course, my team's five hundred. We haven't won in a couple years, so of course I'm ecstatic. But I know deep down, I'm like, all right, this is great. He might lead us to seven and nine, eight and eight if we're lucky. I'm not going to make a wild card, you know? So, you know, of course you draft a kid and you want to see what he's able to do. I truly believe, you know, I read a couple of tweets today and a lot of Dolphins beat reporters were saying, listen, Brian Flores is not going to make this move without firmly believing that the Dolphins can win this year. Mm. Now, I agree with Pat in the sense that they are still, still rebuilding, you know, young O-line. A uh, couple of young receivers who have been, you know, Devontae Parker a couple of years in the league. So they have guys that have a couple of years. But at the end of the day, they are still in a rebuild. Like you said, we have the draft picks next year. So we have a little bit of a stretch going here. But, you know, I think he believes that we can win this year. Now, I'm, I'm of the Dolphin fan breed where I think I'm going to be a little realistic. I don't think we're going to make a playoff push. And I don't think we're going to win the AFC East. I know a lot of people are saying, wow, one game out from the Bills. 
We're not there yet, but that's okay. You know, if he plays, he stays healthy and he progresses, I'll be, I'll be happy. So, you know, hopefully that's what we can see from him. Stays healthy, obviously, number one. And, you know, he progresses. And to Pat's point, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think that the Dolphins would even think about trading Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not really sure what pick they would get for him anyway. Right. I'm sure they'll get calls, but I really firmly believe he'll retire a Dolphin and eventually end up being on staff because I think the praise they give him from coaching and players, I think it's next level. So hopefully, as a fan too, I hope that they keep him around because yeah. You know. I mean, he's he's a great guy to root for until he starts throwing those picks, right? Like until he yeah. starts actually messing up which happens every five weeks, right? Every four weeks, maybe. Yep. You know, he's a great guy to root for. He's going to dive headfirst into the end zone and get popped and pop up with his big-ass beard and be like, ah, let's go. Or and he'll be on the sideline cheering for Tua. Like, he knows the situation he was in. Now, did he expect to get taken out at 3-3? Three and three? Probably not. But if you got Ryan Fitzpatrick in a closed room and asked him, you know, do you understand this move? I feel like he would say yes, right? Now, Rock, before we move on, I need to go back to you because you were the guy who who mentioned the trade ship of Ryan Fitzpatrick. You mentioned the Cowboys right away. Uh, there are, you know, talks about Baker Mayfield really struggling with the Browns. You know, if you're going to go for Fitzpatrick, what are you really going to get out of him? And is there a particular team or is it just simply the Cowboys? If Dalton has another bad week, you know, is that is that the target you're, you're thinking is going to happen there? I mean, and let's let's call it what it is. Dak Prescott's laughing right now. He just made his contract back. <laughs> that he thought he wasn't gonna get. Yeah, he he, he made something by not playing. He just he didn't got have some to benefit. Take any pain pills for his ankle last night? He said, "All right, I'm good. Look at this. Throw, give me Fitzpatrick <laughs> with those receivers in Dallas. I like my shot with the running back. But yeah, I get it. The defense it's not great, but I think Fitzpatrick's a winner." But, uh, you know, Mule hit the nail on the head. I go back to week 17 at Buffalo. Jets could have made the playoffs. Todd Bowles' first year. And uh, and Fitz, you know, he, he went to bed and uh, threw three picks. But I'm a, you know, I'm a big energy guy. And uh, I love, like, people love Fitz. These guys, there's a re- they play for Fitz. And I thought it was cool. He was juiced up when... Tua got in, but I know right now this guy's sitting there in South Beach, Miami, drinking a pina colada, and he's uh, <laughs> he's not so happy that he don't get a chance to ride this out because they were on fire, and the AFC East is wide open after seeing Josh Allen skip the ball <sighs> against two real teams in a row. Yeah, man, Josh Allen on the struggle bus currently. And yo, Rock, I'm glad you just said what you said because you made me think of this point here. How fast... What, the pina colada, Pete? Oh, I've been thinking about that since before we started. I thought you were going to go like a Mai Tai or something like that. You were going to say, sipping a Mai Tai in Miami Beach. Not, not, uh, not Miami, maybe, maybe in... Uh, I don't know. To be honest, I don't even know what a Mai Tai is. I'm going to be quite honest. I just hear people talk about them all the time. What is what is a Mai Tai? Can anyone, can anyone tell me? Rock, that's all you. Uh, Mai, Mai Tai is... Uh, a drink that we'll have at uh, Ari Rang after this, uh, after this <laughs> podcast is done. Boom. There we go. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's interesting to note, you know, how fast do these narratives change in this league? It's absolutely insane to think about, right? We're talking about this big win where the Dolphins just beat the 49ers. The 49ers also were getting crapped on, like, their season's done. They're too injured. 
Jimmy G's on his way out. You know, if there was a Tua in San Francisco, Jimmy G be gone already. That's the types of things that are being talked about one week ago. Now, fast forward to present day right now, and the and the 49ers are hot because they beat the, the Rams. Are the Rams even good? They only beat the NFC East so far. And, and what the hell is happening in the NFL? Like, now the Dolphins are hot, or are they just beating the Jets and got lucky because Jimmy G was hurt? I, I don't know. And it's so hard this early in the season. And the next thing we're going to talk about is the Packers and Bucks game. You know, now the Packers are, are shit in the bed for this season. They're 4-1, and one, and the Bucks are the best team in the NFC. The way that these narratives move so freaking fast in this league, every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of each week, there are these thoughts that happen with certain teams where I'm starting to think we just don't know who these teams are. Two weeks ago, Josh Allen was the runner-up for MVP and the Bills were going to walk to the AFC East title. Now the Dolphins have a chance to make the NFC East, I mean, uh, to win the AFC East. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, I don't know what we're going to be saying by next week because that's how quick these things have to change every single time. Uh, but with that being said, uh, Mule, do you have any last words on the Dolphins here? Can you give me, actually, you know what, can you give me a prediction? Can you give me a little rundown of how he's going to look and generally where they'll end up in the standings? Ah, uh, that's tough. And I hate to make I you mean, do that because predictions suck, but you know what? It's a, yeah. it's a good radio segment right there. How you doing? Like I said, though, I'm, I'm a little bit more of the realistic side, so I'm not, you know, like Patty said, I'm not one of those guys that I think two is coming in and I think we're going to win 10 games and make it to the, you know, make it to the playoffs and win the AFC East. Um, you know, I guess at, at three and three right now, I, I'd be, like I said, I'd be happy just to see him play competitive, tough football games, you know? So whether that's, whether that's eight and eight, you know, I, I would love nine and seven, but if that's eight and eight or nine and seven, that's fine. But as long as he competes, goes out there each week and uh, he just gets better and better, you know, well, another thing I think that, I don't know if it hurts him, but the media is going to pressure is that, you know, Burroughs looked pretty good to start the year. Herbert definitely looks pretty impressive. Right. I'll give him that. Um, that might have also had a factor in, I don't know if Flores really buys into that, but I know the Miami media was definitely pushing the narrative. Like, oh, look at these two guys. Like, you know, did the Dolphins really make a mistake by taking Tua? So, you know, hopefully, you know, he's. I think week eight, the Dolphins are actually playing the Chargers. And uh, later in December, we also play the Bengals. So hopefully. Oh, wow. That's fun. That's fun yeah, right hopefully, there. Hopefully we get to show America that we made the right choice. But um, like I said, you know, I'm just really looking forward to seeing him progress. And um, I'm excited, man. I really am. I can't even hide it. You know, yeah. I think I texted you right away this morning. I just. I'm just, you know, I think back to I'll do a nice throwback here. I think back to uh, the Dolphins passing on Drew Brees for Dante Culpepper. Oh my gosh! Because of a shoulder injury, and they didn't do their homework, and they didn't know what to do, so they passed on Drew Brees for Dante Culpepper. All I heard leading up to this draft was the Dolphins are going to pass on Tua because of the hip, and I said to myself, I said, please, just if that's your guy, take your guy. Please just go with it. So we did it. We got a bye week, give the kid a couple of reps, and hopefully we come back and, uh, you know, he looks good. So, Absolutely. I mean, I can't wait, dude. I can't believe we have to wait a whole week now to see him play. That sucks for you guys. All you Dolphins fans are so jacked up. We're like, you know, to uh, your tweet and your post and Instagram stories. I see my guy, JJ, you know, JJ's oh, post yeah. and Instagrams. He's pumped about it. And now you have to wait until week, uh, week seven, week eight. What is next week? Seven? Holy it's, hell. It's, we're going to be playing in week eight. So oh that's the most gosh. brutal thing ever. Unbelievable, bro. You're going to be on Sunday just dreaming of Dolphins football again. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think what you said, though, is spot on. Eight and eight would be great as long as the games, you know, 
go a certain way. And we talked about this with the Jets like a couple weeks ago before, you know, we realized they were completely the worst team in the league, not even close, is there's a difference between losing and playing decent or competing and losing and just getting beat, just getting straight up beat on every level, mental, physical, doesn't matter. The Jets are getting beat mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, metaphorically, hypothetically, they're just getting beat in every aspect of life. Uh, if the Dolphins play these, you know, because they have a bunch of good teams on the on the schedule. If they play those teams tight and Tua makes plays, maybe, uh, you know, a good drive in the end of a game, these things all lead to positivity and great things to come for Tua and the Dolphins. So good stuff there. Uh, Subway Sports Talk, Chris Mule, Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Puri, I'm Pete Kennedy. We're talking NFL. You know, week six into seven, I can't believe we're this far into the season already. Uh, these narratives are driving me crazy trying to keep up with which team is good this week versus next week. Who do you bet on? Uh, heck, the Patriots. They ruined my, you know, straight bet, par- money line parlay, teaser. Get them out of my face. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, but now let's talk about what was supposed to be the matchup of week six, and that was the Green Bay Packers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First and foremost, the TV networks, I think it was Fox, obviously, right, who had this game this week, they're probably a little pissed. The NFL does this every once in a while when there's a truly marquee matchup at 425. Um, they only put one or two games against that marquee matchup. This week was the same thing. It was just the Bucks, Packers, and then Dolphins, Jets, which was over before it started. This game was a bit of a stinker. Early on, Aaron Rodgers makes a play, goes flag, does a little humpy hump, you know, does his whole little celebration. All of a sudden, he throws two picks, and the Bucks are in the driver's seat, and it's not even close. A bit disappointing, but I think we start with the Packers here. And where I want to start is with Aaron Rodgers. I heard something today on The Herd where he was doing his thing, and, you know, he has a history of going at quarterbacks, going at stars. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield come to mind, right, about their personality, about maybe aloofness for Aaron Rodgers, uh, maybe too big of shoes to fill for Baker Mayfield with all, all the crap he has with Baker Mayfield. Today he said something about Aaron Rodgers I want to lay out to you guys and see if you think if it's, uh, you know, just a good radio segment or if it's actually true. He said Tom Brady, for example, is a baller. Aaron Rodgers is a bailer. He actually, you know, turns away from the big pressure. When he gets down, he, for all the things we think in our head, is not the best quarterback at coming back. He's no Mahomes. He's no Russell Wilson. He's not half of these guys out in the league right now as far as fourth quarter comebacks and things of that nature. So is it fair to say that Aaron Rodgers is kind of a front-running quarterback or when he goes down, he doesn't have what it takes to get get back in the game? It, It feels crazy to say, but, you know, when you lay out, lay it out and look at the fourth quarter comebacks or lack thereof for Aaron Rodgers, you know, it's something to think about. Are we really worried about the Packers? And do we think that statement's ridiculous? Rock, I'll go to you first. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. And I'm a big Colin Coward fan. Not as much as a fan I am of Peter Kennedy, but I'm a major Colin Coward fan. Well, thank you. Um, Rodgers, excellent quarterback. You know, he won the big game once. There's definitely a few games in the playoffs he wants back. Um, Packers were off to tremendous start. You know, it's it's the NFL. You're going to have that week. You're going to have that week where it don't go well. Patriots had that. You know, we were calling them the uh, the fake dream team, the uh, the Celtic, the uh, Nets. Oh, the, the, Nets. the Buccaneers. Right, right, right. So, um, no, I feel... Uh, I definitely feel that uh, that Rogers, he hasn't been given enough players around him, 
And look, they drafted Jordan Love in the first round when they could have easily gotten him. Imagine him with CD Lamb. So, uh, or any of the other first or uh, first or second round receivers who are freaking studs right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't. I'm. I'm with you. I think it's too aggressive, and that's my point of the narratives. And maybe it's just, you know, I think this stuff because I do watch uh, Get Up in the morning. I do watch uh, the Herd. I watch NFL Live. I watch. I watch all this stuff. I'm working from home. I had the TV on. I'm catching all these different things. All these talking points. You know, Emmanuel Acho on Speak for Yourself coming out with strong hot takes every single day. I'm like, it's overwhelming, and I think it's an overcorrection, but. There's something to say about how the hell he looked against that Bucks defense. Now, Patty Boyle, I haven't heard from you in a minute. Is it just possible that that Bucks defense, as we talked about last week, despite calling their offense the fake dream team, is that defense just that crazy good that even Aaron Rodgers was so uncomfortable? Well, Pete, the first mistake you made was watching Colin Coward's show. Oh, come on. You're talking, you're talking to three Cowherd fans, by the way, Pat. You're outnumbered. Uh, that, that's fine. Because I've seen I've seen Coward get more egg on his face than anybody else, maybe in the history of sports talk. Um, and that's fine. You know, he gives out his outrageous takes every week just for the headlines. And and you know, you baited it. He got you. You know, you took the bait again this week. Rogers, after looking like a perennial MVP candidate for four weeks, has a bad game. It's the NFL. There is so much parity in this league. It is a week to week league. You can look like a Super Bowl contender one week as the Packers have done for four straight weeks and then fall on your face when you go up against a good team who, who came up with a good plan and a little bit of momentum swing. And that's what happens. So um, now, I mean, he's entertaining, say what you will, whatever, but that's the thing, you know, and, and you kind of were talking about it and I got into sports betting mode because that when you, when you're gambling and when you're betting, you have to stay, out of the headlines you can't fall into the media traps you got to look at each game as an isolated game by itself and that's what this was I mean hey Todd Bowles uh say what you will about his time as 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 the Jets head coach um and say what you will about him as a defensive coordinator but every now and then he draws up a good game plan and the Tampa Bay Bucks defense for a while last year was very very good at getting to the quarterback and causing takeaways and they did exactly that on Sunday um you know, Bulls, he's known as a, as a blitzer. You know, he just sends the house. He sends the heat numerous times. And when you've got a Green Bay offensive line that is not only been down since week one with Lane Taylor, but now they lost David Bakhtiari in that game. So they're down two starting linemen. Bulls realized that. They blitzed the hell out of Rodgers, and they got to him plenty of times. And you do that in the NFL, you're going to beat almost any quarterback in this league. So to answer the, to answer the question, Pete, no. Um, I'm not concerned about Green Bay. And, yes, Tampa Bay's defense is is very, very good. Um, I mean, they have the potential to be good on any given Sunday. Uh, but, again, just to, to kind of go back to, to Rodgers, no, he, he's not a bailer. I mean, we've seen the guy come up huge with some injuries in the playoffs before, making plays by himself, escaping the pocket, doing it all, putting the team on his back. Um, you know, you want to talk sports talk media, you know, we know Stephen A. Smith, what he says about Rodgers. He's a bad man. And every and, and even the best of quarterbacks are going to have a bad game. I mean, we were ripping Brady last week for forgetting what down it was and having a pretty poor performance against Chicago. Now we're doing that against, you know, to Rodgers after he had a bad game. But again, the previous four weeks, the guys looked like an MVP. I'm not worried about Green Bay. I think they have what it takes. They have the weapons. 
as I mentioned, you know, the offensive line needs to stay healthy, but no, uh, Tampa Bay, they got the pick six. They got another interception the next play. And just like that, that game swung on its head. And that's sometimes all it takes. So now I'm not worried about green Bay. I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers. I think he's still easily top five quarterback in this league. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm agreeing with Cowherd. I just want to use that discussion as a launch pad to talk no, about it. No, of course. I'm just saying, and, and to be honest, like when I was watching that game, first of all, I'm incredibly mad at myself. You can ask Mule. I, I mentioned two games specifically when we were talking Sunday morning. We were talking the spreads, right? I said the, the Bucks and the 49ers, according to the sharp money, according to the wise guys, you know, they're hammering the Bucks. They're hammering the 49ers. There's some sort of thing there where the public came out so hot on the Packers, so hot on the Rams, and all these wise guys hammered these these two teams, the Bucks and the Niners. And I said to Mule, I'm going to blindly follow that. I'm going to do it no matter what. And what did I do, Mule? What the fuck? <laughs> I'm about to curse. What did I do? I bet on the Packers, and guess what? I also bet on the Rams. I, I, I was telling people Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm explaining to people who don't even care about the money spread when you have 70% of tickets on the Packers but only 35% of the money, and that's why you hammer the bucks. And yet I still took the Packers like an absolute idiot. So I'm very mad at myself. Um, but before I continue ranting so hard, you know, there was seemingly two plays, right, or three or four plays here that could have changed that entire swing of the game. If he didn't throw the pick six, and even if they end up punting, you know, that entire game looks completely different. It's so much closer. So, Mule, what's your take on the Packers and Bucks? Uh, is there a chance next week if the Bucks uh, maybe lose to the Raiders and the Packers take care of business against the Texans, like this narrative flips again? What's up? Just to talk first about uh, your wise guy deal there, Pete. I don't think me and you are the, are the wise guys people need to start reaching out to, I'll tell you that. <laughs> not, not after this week, bro. No, nah, no <laughs> way. But um, to, uh, to touch on what Pat said, um, I'm all in on the Bucks D. I know he just mentioned Todd Bowles. I'm all in on the Bucks D. Um, they get after the quarterback. I think last year they were, they were definitely top five in sacks. I know this year they're second in the league in sacks, I believe I read before. Um, Shaq Barrett gets after the quarterback. Dominican Sue is still a, a nice force inside. And uh, I met you guys before. Devin White and Levante David fly sideline to sideline every single game. Uh, those guys are gamers. So, you know, the Buccaneers defense – you know, whether it's the Packers or anybody else, you know, they come out to play every week. Um, you know, I don't know about the Bucs. I've been, I've been, you know, in the beginning of the year, I always told everybody, I said, listen, it's Tom Brady at the end of the day. I said, you could throw to a bunch of nobodies and he's still going to go out and win. But the chemistry looked a little off. You know, I think it was the Saints game where I said, I don't know if Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are really that match made in heaven. But, you know, if they stay healthy and – um especially if Gronk plays like he did on Sunday. Gronk actually had a nice showing on Sunday. Yeah, he had some life finally. Yeah, so he uh, he came out of, he came off the dead. So, you know, if they stay healthy and they start getting their chemistry and they start building, you know, and they start getting hot, that's definitely a team nobody wants to see. I know you mentioned the Raiders. The Raiders coming off a bye, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders, you know, they're coming off that Chiefs win, but that's definitely going to be uh, – Pete, me and you hopefully be looking at that over. I don't know, but uh, hey. that's going to be an entertaining one for sure. You know what? It's going to be an interesting one, and who knows what the actual you know, blueprint to beating the Bucks is. Maybe it's the run game, and Aaron Jones didn't really get going. The picks made them play catch-up early, so that really just changed the whole outlook of the game, and, and you can't even really judge what happened in the second half because the game plan got thrown out the window, and they had to play catch-up, and it was over over by halftime. It was done. Uh, and if the Raiders can establish Josh Jacobs, 
get Derek Carr to throw the ball downfield. You know, it could be a completely different game, and we're not going to do transitive property and say, oh, the Raiders beat the Bucks. Now the Raiders are also better than the Packers. You can't do that in the NFL. We learned that already. You know, we learned that. So the thing, only thing for the Bucks that I want to add, I don't typically mention a wide receiver in this vein, but I think with this team specifically, the health of Chris Godwin is perhaps the most important player on this team. You know, if Ronald Jones is doing what he did last week, that's amazing. But uh, if Fournette's healthy, you imagine he can step in and replace Ronald Jones. They don't have a guy who's replacing Chris Godwin. As good as Mike Evans is at winning one-on-ones and being that physical dude and being a red zone absolute nightmare for defenses, Godwin unlocks that offense. He's the big play waiting to happen. He's the guy who Brady can hit deep or give the ball five yards down the field and he takes it for 40. So... He is the linchpin in this offense for me, and if he's not healthy, my confidence in the Bucks instantly drops, and that's that's kind of how I feel, and I don't typically say that for receivers. Even, you know, with the Packers without Devontae Adams, probably not as worried because we've seen Rodgers do it with Valdez-Scantling, and Lazard's hurt now too, so maybe that's two for one. Same thing. Michael Thomas has been out. We still think the Saints are going to be in every single game. When Godwin's out, I'm feeling I'm feeling bleak about some of the uh, Bucks' outlook there, but... uh yeah, I think that's good on the Packers-Bucks. We can move on to our next topic. And, you know, it's, we've mentioned this team a few times already uh, via the possibility of a, of a Fitzpatrick trade. Obviously, they're just an incredibly interesting team every year. Uh, maybe rightfully so, maybe not. But it's the Dallas Cowboys and, in turn, the NFC East, which, you know, has a combined five wins, which I think I heard five or six teams have as many or more wins than the NFC East combined right now. So we know about the injuries with the Eagles. They're even worse than they were a week or two ago. We know about the injuries with the Cowboys. Even the Giants are banged up. The Redskins are banged up. This division is hot garbage, but it's the accident on the Garden State Parkway when it's 99 degrees and you're going down the shore and you're you're bumper to bumper, but you have to see what happened in that freaking accident, right? You need to know. It's a, it's a crap show, but... It's interesting, and and we don't want to talk about the Jets and Giants right now, even though this is technically a New York podcast. In this specific case, I think the NFC East is interesting enough because they're so bad, and somebody from that com- or division has to make the playoffs. So what was the early reads? Obviously, the Cowboys look terrible. The Eagles almost made it a game from the Ravens, almost won that game or snuck in there. You know, is this still the Cowboys' division to lose? Do we expect better things out of Andy Dalton? You know, is there a trade waiting to happen there? What's going on? Do the Giants have a chance to actually compete? They have Giants-Eagles Thursday night. If the Giants win that, they're tied for the lead in the NFC East. It's 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 ridiculous. So, how are we feeling? I don't even know who wants to go first. Rock, why don't you jump in first? How are we feeling about the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, et cetera, in the NFC East right now? Who's going to win it? It's going to come down to Week 17. Those into division games, but uh, it's sick, right, that... Thursday night football at the end of Thursday night at 11:30, the Giants could be in first place. But I will say, look, when we talked about this, Pat knows, you know, they were right there to beat the Bears. Played the Bears tough. They played the they played the Steelers tough on Monday night. So um, they played the Rams and- tough. They played. They played the Rams tight. You know, they they played. Yeah. They played the Cowboys tight. They there's a there's a world, and I hate doing this because I don't think the Giants are good, right? I just really don't think they're that good. But there is a world where they have, you know, two wins, three wins, four wins. They were in all these games, and 
the one thing we said since week one discussing the Giants versus the Jets is that the Giants seem to be flying around a little bit. They seem to care. Yeah. They seem to try, which you don't think is much to ask for an NFL football team. Uh, but when you look at these two New York, New York teams, you know, you got to start there, right? And the Giants have done that. Is that like a Joe Judge thing? I don't know. Mule, what are you thinking? You, you've been rooting for a team in the Dolphins who I think has been exciting at least because they come out and compete every week. With the Giants, do you have a little bit of that vibe? Is there any bit of confidence that Daniel Jones cannot blow it every week with a big uh, turnover? Well, you know, I'm a little biased just to let your listeners know. I'm a Jet hater and I'm a Giant supporter. It's a little weird since I'm a Dolphin fan, but uh, I don't know. You would like to think, like you said, the Giants definitely have um, flown around a couple of weeks. I remember that, like you said, Pete, that Rams game, we're watching that Rams game, that defense is flying all over the field. Um, you know, I remember that Bears game. They were a play or two away from from uh, taking the lead against the Bears late in the fourth quarter. So you would like to think that the Giants play for their head coach. Um Obviously, they're struggling. You know, they're definitely struggling up front. I don't know if uh, Nate Solder being opting out is even hurting them, but you know, they're they're hurting up front, and they definitely invested heavily into that O line. And uh, Andrew Thomas is definitely struggling big time. That's another that's another story. But you know, it's crazy because, like you said, if the Giants can string together a couple wins, like Rock said at eleven thirty on Thursday night, the Giants can be tied for first place. I don't know who in that division can distinctively go on a run and you know and can have control of that division because I'm also I'm also biased that I say I can't stand Andy Dalton and I think the Cowboys are hot garbage so you know I think last night showed that and uh Rock mentioned before Dak Prescott earned his money last night for sure um but I don't know that division is that division's rough man it's hard to speculate who's going to go down the wire and win that but um you know, I, I, I hope the Giants pull it together. You know, I hope they play for Judge. And, you know, I hope they I hope Daniel Jones progresses because I feel like you know, he's running for his life most of the time. He can't hold on to the ball. But, you know, I hope he I hope he solidifies himself as, you know, maybe the guy for the future. But he doesn't have much help. So, you know, he might have to start making some couple heroic plays and heroic drives down the road. But, you know, we'll see. And that's just something that he hasn't really done yet. Right? He hasn't had those drives, even to the point where Darnold – has had those drives. Darnold has had moments in fourth quarters where he's making throws and he's also running for his life, but keeping his head downfield and making plays. Uh, Daniel Jones hasn't really done that yet. He hasn't had a signature uh, moment in a fourth quarter. He's only thrown like a handful of touchdowns this entire season. What does he got? Like, you know, four touchdowns maybe this season throwing. I don't know. I have to double check, but I don't know. Now, Pat, I want to, I want to direct this to you and you could take it wherever you want, but at some point I want you to get to this point. Mike McCarthy, the coach of the Cowboys now, right? He was in contention uh, for the Jets' job. He was in contention for your Browns' job. Uh, and obviously, he ended up with the Cowboys. There was reports coming out that the players are not impressed. They're not appreciative of the work ethic of the coaching staff. They don't think they know what's going on. It's a lot of turmoil, and it's ugly early. Jason Garrett's probably somewhere in uh, in East Rutherford smiling, saying, yeah, you wanted me to get out so bad. At least I kept you guys respectable. This McCarthy guy's doing nothing for you. So talking about McCarthy as a head coach and what's happening down in Dallas, A, like, are you, are you kind of happy that he ended up being your coach? Because there was a real chance that could have happened. And, and, and B, what's the, what's the path for the Cowboys to become the favorite again in the FC East? Um, it, it's to find a way to, to go back in time and uninjure their offensive line. Mm. 
Um, and you've heard me talk about the offensive line before this game so many times is still won and lost in the trenches. And the Dallas Cowboys say, you know, the defense is historically bad. Mike Nolan, he's on his way out the door. Uh, you want to start with the coaching staff, start with him, because no matter what he's done, his defense has gotten 30-plus hung on them every single week. Even the freaking Giants scored 30 on them. Exactly. Granted, on Monday night wasn't necessarily their fault. They turned the ball over four times, so you're constantly getting put in terrible field position. But um, I, I don't know how much I want to buy about McCarthy, you know, the players not being impressed with McCarthy. At some point, you got to take accountability. You got to hold yourselves accountable. And we're ripping the Cowboys. You know, they're getting ripped in the media last week. Um, who was it? The uh, in the secondary, Xavier Woods saying, you know, sometimes players don't go 100% every play. What are you talking about? What do you mean you don't go 100% every play? You're a professional athlete getting millions of dollars, and on defense, even in the secondary, you're not playing almost every snap. You're playing, and especially because you get the you get a break when the offense has the ball. So you should be going 100% every play. And I understand. I I, I don't care where he you know he meant where he was going with that. No, now, obviously there's been a lack of effort on the defensive side of the football from Dallas. Uh, I've seen some awful tackling, just a lack of fundamentals out the window. And only so much of that can go on Mike Nolan, defensive coordinator. Granted, he's been bad, but at a certain point, you don't know how to tackle yet. And you're in the NFL and you're four, five, six years into the NFL and you're making one arm tackles defense and the players on the defensive side of Dallas have been pathetic. And not only have they been bad, we've, we've now seen and heard they show a lack of effort. So that's where I want to start with Dallas again. Remind everybody that this defense is the biggest glaring issue on this team. That being said, again, I'm not going into Monday night against Arizona, even if they lost that game. Granted, I didn't think they were going to lose as bad as they were. I had Arizona money line, but still, I didn't think I thought it was going to be pretty close. Um, you know, they were already down a couple of linemen. Pro Bowler Tyron Smith at the left tackle spot, which arguably is the most important spot on the line. And then their right tackle, Lyle Collins, as well. Now they're down a starting center, Joe Looney. And now they're down possibly Zach Martin and Brandon Knight. But nonetheless, basically, they're looking at four starting linemen now that are down for an offensive line that has been one of the best in the NFL the last couple of years. So now you're going to have Andy Dalton now already a backup quarterback, no Dak, who's going to be less protected than usual. Ezekiel Elliott now is having fumbling issues for the first time in his career. He's coughed the ball up already, what, five times this season? Right, which also completely changed the complexion of that game Monday oh, night. Oh, yeah, no. He Similar said that to game the. Was, that game was completely on him. And yeah. his, two, his two fumbles were very, very costly. I mean, similar. Very inopportune times. Similar to the Rodgers interceptions, right? If, if Zeke doesn't fumble that little, you know, shuffle pass that Dalton kind of, as he's getting sacked, he shuffles to Zeke. That's a first down. The the entire game is on a different trajectory if that ball is not fumbled. It, it it's crazy how you can say one play completely changes everything, but it's true in football because that led to uh, a flipped score, and from that point on, he he put it on the ground one more time and it was over and it was done. They were playing catch up. It was freaking thirty something to to zero. They couldn't get the ball in the end zone. It was pathetic, <laughs> honestly. Yep. Um. So you know, to kind of go off what you were saying. Uh, to answer two questions, one about McCarthy, one about the Cowboys, I still think the Cowboys, this is, the, this is their division to, to win or lose. Um, as many injuries as they've racked up, I still think they have enough talent, enough weapons to win this division. 
Um, my opinion will completely change if they don't beat Washington on Sunday. That is a game they absolutely have to win. But they're still in the NFC least, and they've still got a decently favorable schedule where they still have to play slop show Philadelphia twice. They still have to play Washington twice. They still get to play the Bengals, and they still get to play the Giants, who they narrowly squeak by. And who knows, week 17, we could be looking at a much different Giants team. Um, that being said, I still, again, I still think it's Dallas's division to win or lose. Um, but I'm not ready to, to drop a hammer on Mike McCarthy. Okay. Uh, I, I think. That's fair. It's early. I, again, it's early, right? Lose, it's his first you season. Your, you lose your franchise quarterback and, so, and, and an offensive guy like him. The defense has been as historically bad as they are. That's not necessarily on him. That being said, he needs to step up. He needs to get on his coaching staff. And he needs to show that he can lead this team. He needs to be a leader. And he needs to show a little bit more emotion on the sidelines. I've seen him be a little bit too lax, kind of, you know, I, I want to see some fire. And they need to show some fire on Sunday. They better beat the hell out of Washington. Um, because I don't think Mike McCarthy has, has done a poor job yet. But that opinion, again, will quickly change on Sunday. This is an absolute must-win game for them against Washington. They have to win this game. Otherwise, um, Again, I think I will completely turn turn directions and say that this Cowboys team is is a failure waiting to happen, and uh, McCarthy is not doing a great job. Again, it's a big day on Sunday for them. <laughs> yeah, and, and Rock, I want to ask you one more question about the NFC East before we move on to our uh, our last segment here. As a as a football guy, I feel comfortable calling you that. You know, you're you've been coaching for years. You played. You know, you know what you're talking about, clearly. I don't know where you land on this specific topic. I, we probably talked about it on the pod, but I just don't remember. Is there a part of you that still has some, some strong confidence or some, some good feels on Carson Wentz? Because for me, there's a toughness that he plays with even when he's down in the dumps and looks terrible that gives me confidence the Eagles can figure this out and become the best team, the quote-unquote best team in the NFC East. How do you feel about Carson Wentz and this, you know, terribly injured Eagles team in their odds. You, well, well, your last statement just said it all. And I, I, I said it week one on the podcast about this year, the COVID year, about depth and how the, you know, the team that stays, the mo- you know, the healthiest or who had the best training staff would be in it in the end. Uh, I, I do like Carson Wentz. I think he's a, he can make every throw in the book. Um his play has been up and down. Um, and I know we crush him on this show, the Eagles, but I'm, they're not out of it either. You know, I, I expect them to win against the, uh, the Giants. And, and I said it earlier, whoever has the best of division record in the NFC East will be, the, will be hosting a home playoff game. <laughs> So, uh, forgot about that part of it. I'm a fan of Wentz. Um, he, uh, he, he's a tough kid. He's, he's had, he's battled some injuries, can make every throw. He's a little gutsy. Uh, they're down Miles Sanders now for the next two weeks. Gonna try and pick up Scott in my fantasy. (laughs) But, uh, other than that, I think, you know, right now he's, uh, he's best quarterback in, in the NFC East, no? I mean, yeah, easily. I thought he was, you know, I well, I Dak, thought he Dak was in the league in passing. Right, exactly. Dak leads the league in passing even after missing My a game and a half. QB. 
IR. And then you pick up Dalton. That didn't go particularly well for you this week. Uh, but no, I, I thought coming into the season, Carson Wentz was the best quarterback in the NFC East. It's why I picked them to win the NFC East. It's why I bet on their over, which looks like it's not going to hit because they're going to be seven and nine. What was that? I think it was eight and a half or nine. I forget, but you know they're going to win the division at six and ten, so it doesn't matter. Um, but I also bet on them to win the division, so that's still in play, right? I, I just think there's something for Wentz there, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Despite all the the BS and uh, you know bad throws he can make or not throwing it away, trying to do too much, this dude just one season ago carried nobody to the playoffs. Nobodies. He took nobodies to the playoffs last year. Now he's running out there with Greg Ward and Fulgham. He doesn't have Zach Ertz or Goddard. He doesn't have Miles Sanders anymore. He lost Deshaun Jackson before he could even get the jersey on this season. I mean, he's playing an uphill battle right now. He's a, it's a complete uphill game for Carson Wentz based off all the injuries in, in Philly. They're still my pick for the NFC East. I don't know if that means anything. It's, it really doesn't, especially when you know the Giants miraculously win by two touchdowns on Thursday night for no reason at all. Like, that could happen. That's how ridiculous this division is. That's how bad it is. And, and that's where I stand. I don't know what else to say about this division. We'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about it as we go on. But anyways, let's move on to some, some football that's not as pathetic or, or sad to talk about. And this will be more, more or less our last segment uh, before we say goodbye. Subway Sports Talk, again, Rocco Del Puri, Pat Boyle, Chris Mule on P. Kennedy. Changed up the order. As we talk, uh, talk, talk through it here, thank you for listening. As always, I hope you guys have been enjoying uh, the talk of NFL on the pod this year. Obviously, a new crew. You know, I think combined now, Pat and Rock have you know six weeks under their belt. Mule, a new, a new, uh, some new blood on the podcast, and uh, it's been great so far. We have so much more to talk about, and we'll be here the rest of the year. Lastly, though, I want to talk about a division that I pretty confidently said a few weeks back is the best division in football. And there was a couple moments within these past couple weeks where the confidence in the Cardinals went down, confidence in the Niners went down, now the confidence in the Rams is slightly down. But I don't know. All four of these teams, in my opinion, can beat anybody any given week, and we could be looking still at three NFC East teams in the playoffs easily. So outside of the Seahawks, after watching the Niners come back to health, after watching the Cardinals, you know, romp the Cowboys this Monday night. Is there a clear-cut second team outside the Seahawks in this division who we look at not just as a playoff contender, but somebody who's going to make real, real noise here? Get him, Pat. Come on. <laughs> no, n- not all at once. I mean, I want to, somebody wants to jump in. Sometimes I like to just, you know, throw it to no one because I'm always – throw into somebody here, somebody there, somebody. There. I like to just let it flow every once in a while. You guys, you know, somebody's no, got to take it. What do you I'll got? I'll take it. Um, honestly, after after what I saw the first couple of weeks, and I know they had a, a couple of, you know, had two down weeks in a row, uh, I like the Cardinals. I, I think the future of this team is incredibly bright. I, I, I keep wanting to buy into the Rams. I keep wanting to. And obviously they're uh, two years removed from going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, the head coach at everybody, you know, you shake his hand, you get a job in the NFL. You know, it was last year. We're still raving and, and, and roaring over Sean McVay. And, you know, obviously Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the NFL. And they've got weapons and they've got the offensive genius of Sean McVay. But every time it seems like the Rams, they fall on their face in a big spot. Especially, again, on Sunday night primetime, Pete, 
you know, it's it's short money for a reason, dude. I was right there with you. I said, how the hell is this Tampa Bay line? How is Green Bay only favored by a point? And I said, how are the Rams favored by two and a half? Garoppolo, had a sp- he's got a sprained ankle still. He looked terrible last week. And, of course, the sharp money wins out again. So I think you're right, dude. In, in terms of that, you see a line that is heavily backed by the public and the line's not moving, just just take the, just take the sharp money. Just take the short blindly money. do it and then don't go against yourself again. Exactly. Later. <laughs> because it works. It, it's sharp money for a reason, dude. It wins so much of the time where the public thinks the team's going to win and they end up losing because again, this is a week to week league. But anyway, Arizona, um, not just because of Kyler Murray, not just because of the dynamic duo, the thunder and lightning of Kenyon Drake and chase Edmonds, boy, they, those guys are fun to watch watching Drake rip off that long run on Monday night, watching Edmonds catching passes out of the backfield. Now you've got a, a, a lightning bolt playmaker in Christian Kirk, who not a whole lot of people knew about before Monday night. You've obviously got one of the best wideouts in the league in Hopkins. You've got the vet, the legendary, the timeless Larry Fitzgerald. You've got an offensive line that, for the most part, has protected the quarterback very well. And then I think, finally, the first thing that we've been waiting to see from Arizona for a couple of weeks is how was the defense going to do after being one of the most abysmal defenses in the NFL last week last year? And they had a huge game. That secondary is incredible. Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, uh, they were getting to Andy Dalton on almost every play. I mean, you know, we've got Isaiah Simmons, who I wanted the Giants to take with their first pick. Isaiah Simmons, who could be a Pro Bowl linebacker in a year or two, he's not even starting for this team. He's not even the primary uh, Mike or whatever linebacker that is. It's Devondre Campbell. And you've got Kennard. Um, I mean, there is a lot of talent and a lot of potential on this team. And I was very slow to buy into the hype of Cliff Kingsbury, but you know, again, we hear Adam guru lauded as an offensive genius. I see more creativity in one nipple hair of Cling Kingsbury <laughs> than I do in Adam Gase's entire body. That self toss. The way, <laughs> the way that one they, nipple hair. Because I was going to say something. I don't want to be too vulgar. The way that they design plays for their playmakers like oh Kirk, the little fake Jeff Sweet, and then they hand it off to him going the other way around. The way that they were able to get Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds to use their athleticism. I mean, that is that is the creativity that you love to see from your head coach and your play caller. And it's something that, as much as we heard about from Adam Gase, we never see it. So Kingsbury's very creative. He will not hesitate to get his fast athletic playmakers in good positions to make plays. I, I really just – I love the what they've done. I mean, let's not forget they stunned everybody week one when they beat San Francisco before they started having all these injuries. And now we have seen them put together back-to-back impressive games. They, they destroyed the Jets as we knew they would, and they now destroyed the Cowboys. And I say that because they've also got a big test coming up on Sunday, primetime against Seattle, in Arizona, uh, I think we really find out how good of a football team Arizona really is on Sunday. Um, and then they're going to have a bye week, and, and, then, and then it's still a very tough stretch. Here's the next couple weeks for Arizona versus Seattle, the bye. Then they're versus the Dolphins in Tua, versus Buffalo, at Seattle, at New England versus the Rams. Ooh, yeah, it's no, that's that's no easy week right there. No, it's not. It's a very tough stretch, but I think this team is capable of handling it. And I think that after their next, what is it, five games, I uh, six games, I still think you're looking at an Arizona team that is seven and five or eight and four and in good position to make the playoffs. I'm really, really starting to buy into Arizona. 
right, you know, um, I wish I could counter Pat's uh, Arizona pick, but I can't. Um, but first and foremost, you want to appreciate some coaching in the NFL. Pete Carroll, Cliff Kingsbury, Sean McVay, and uh, Kyle Shanahan. Wow. So, yeah. That's wow. A, that's a fun di- yeah, for real. Um, that's a fun division to watch. Um, offensively, of course, you know, it's great to watch, you know, Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's great to watch Kingsbury's offense like Pat just touched on. And McVay, too. But, you know, like Pat just said, you know, I want to buy into the Rams as well. Like, I want to say, you know, PD, I think I told you Sunday night. I'm like, yo, the Rams got this. There's no doubt. But every time I want to buy into the Rams and think the Rams are going to take that next step, they they can never pull through. I don't know if it's the bright lights with the primetime game or if it's Jared Goff or whatever's going on. But, you know, after watching Arizona yesterday, um, you know, Pat mentioned his name, but a guy that jumped off the screen to me for their defensive standpoint, um, Buda Baker. Rock, I don't know if you watched the game, but I know if you're watching defense, that's going to be the first guy jumping off the screen to you. Um, Buda Baker was flying all over the field, making plays. And uh, another guy they had lined up in the nickel, Byron Murphy. Uh, I was with a buddy of mine I used to coach with. Uh, he was following around C.D. Lamb last night. And I think up until – uh, garbage time at the end. CD had like one catch for 12 yards, maybe. I think he finished with seven. Uh, but for a majority bulk of that game, when it meant something, Byron Jones was uh, Byron Murphy rather was fouling around CD Lamb and he locked him up. So, um, you know, Arizona, I think, has it for the long haul. I think, you know, Kyle Murray's athleticism is second to none to any quarterback in the NFL. Uh, he's twitchy when he moves, um, he's smart with his body. He doesn't take too many hits. He'll, he'll go out of bounds if he has to. He'll slide. Um, and, you know, like that throw that he made to Christian Kirk. You, know, you don't think he can make a throw like that. And then he just loads up and throws a 70-yard on a rope. So, you know, I, I think Arizona in the long haul will be there. You know, I don't think – it's unfair to say the 49ers just because they've been just decimated with injuries. So, you know, if, if they were healthy, you could say that they would be there. But they, they're really struggling with injuries. And like I said, I don't know if the Rams are going to just take that next step when they made that, that Super Bowl year. But, you know, I'm uh, I'm definitely pulling for Arizona. And I think that, you know, on top of the run game, like Pat said, with Edmonds and Drake and, you know, with the vet Hopkins and, you know, Christian Kirk and that defense, I think that they can start pulling together some games and uh, they might be there in the long haul. Just going to lose against the Dolphins in a couple of weeks. But that's a different story. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I think it's fair to say this, and anybody, you know, jump in and correct me if you disagree. After Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray's the clear-cut best quarterback in this division, right? No, no doubt. No, no this doubt. year, no doubt. And and perhaps always. I mean, Goff probably, you know, average at best, but can really take care of business if all other things are going well. Jimmy G's kind of similar. If all things are going well, he's going to take care of business. Kyler Murray, if things are going well, he'll take care of business, but he'll also save your ass when things aren't going well. Rock, what's your pick for the second best team in the NFC West? Yeah, see, uh, Seahawks won, and then I'm going. I'm going with the Cardinals, and I wow. said that in the beginning. I'm a big fan of uh, of what they got. It's it's an offensive league now, firepower. Um, they can get real hot, go on a little run. I was I was hot on the Rams. Then I watched the 49ers, you know, demoralize them on Sunday night and just play their type of game. But you hit the nail on the head. The other two quarterbacks, Goff and uh, and Jimmy, uh, they're, uh, they're game managers. 
I'm going to go on a limb and say Sam Donald would do better than both those guys. Oh, wow. Don't hate it. But he won't, he won't for the, he won't for the Jets because we're getting the first pick. Can't wait. <laughs> Trevor. You know what? They, uh, as big a fan as I am of Cliff Kingsbury's nipple hairs, I think, uh, I think I got to go with Kyle Shanahan. And I have been kind of a hater on the Niners. It's one of those things like, you know, you play Madden or you play 2K against the computer and, you know, one guy's killing you and you're just like, I hate that guy. Or you're playing against Jared Cook in fantasy and he drops 40 and you're like, Jared Cook, are you serious? And then you pick Jared Cook up three weeks later, get zero. Like, I hate Jared Cook for the rest of my life now because of that, right? I had something with the Niners where I thought they were going to be a little bit fraudulent after Jimmy G's, you know, what was it, six games at the end of that year when he first got to San Francisco, he went undefeated. I was like, oh, everybody's hyping up the Niners. Uh, they're going to fall on their face in year two with Jimmy G, and they were obviously great last year, made it to the Super Bowl. This year I was like, oh, Super Bowl hangover again. Now I'm off on the Niners, and they get the injuries. I'm feeling great about it. But then I watched this team again, and their skill players on offense just got healthy. Their defense is coached so well that, the injuries aren't showing as much as they maybe should or would on other teams. And I'm looking at Shanahan, and I'm saying right now he's the best coach in this division, maybe outside of Pete Carroll. I'll give Pete Carroll the benefit of the doubt with the uh, Super Bowl ring and what he's accomplished up in Seattle. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan is no freaking joke. And now that Debo is healthy, Ayuk is healthy, Moster went out, which is tough, but McKinnon's no joke as well when he's healthy. This team's reeling. And they're tough to freaking stop once they start getting moving. And I don't know how they look as a team that comes from behind. They might be real pretty when they're up, and I don't know what they do, similar to the Ravens when they're down in the dumps. But, man, I cannot bet against Kyle Shanahan uh, and what he does up in San Francisco right now. Love the Cardinals. I think if I had a pick, the Niners miraculously, with all the injuries, end up being the second-best team in the NFC West. I don't know. It's tough, though. How do you not adore watching Kyler Murray. This guy is outrageously talented. When he throws the ball deep, too, that ball slings out of his hand. It looks like he's throwing from center field sometimes. The way, you know, somebody's slinging a baseball, like that pop when a ball leaves the hand of a baseball player, Kyler Murray has that type of, type of action on his football. It's pretty it's pretty incredible to watch. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think that kind of does it for us here, right? So we talked about a lot of stuff. There's some great games coming up. I think uh, I did want to mention who the Niners were playing, or uh, I'm trying to remember here. Oh, yeah, the Niners had the Patriots. I did want to mention that. This is the type of game for me where the Niners can prove what I'm saying. Can they control the Patriots? Can they keep Cam Newton at bay and then consistently defeat one of the best coaches of all time? If not, he is the best coach of all time, right? And Bill Belichick and what they're going to be prepared to do on defense. If the Niners come out and beat the Patriots and keep the Patriots looking not so hot, you know, the confidence in the Niners will still continue. Um, but this is Subway Sports Talk. This has been fun. Again, Chris Mule, shouts to you for coming on the pod. We'll have you back on again. I don't see why not, in my opinion. You, you crushed it on your, your podcast debut, right? This, you've never been on a podcast before, right? This is for sure my podcast debut, Peter. Yeah, never, uh, never been on one. So. And if I if I had a guess, there's people listening who would be like, oh, really? First time? That's pretty freaking good. That's pretty freaking good. And you already good. know I'm going to be sharing it to a bunch of people. Give me some feedback. Hell yeah. That's what it's all about. And that's why we... This podcast is going to be all over Staten Island in like two weeks. You know <laughs> it, Matty Boyle. Forget about it. <laughs> it is, brother. <laughs> you know, it's a lot a heavy Staten Island podcast right now. That's all good, though. We like that. That's where, that's where we're from. You know, we're going to stay true to our roots a little bit, even though if I live in Jersey, now it's all good 
But uh, yeah, thing what we do, Chris. Obviously, you know this because you listen to the podcast. But we do last words at the end of every episode, no matter what, no matter how long we already went, we finish with some last words. Uh, I won't make you go first, Mule, on your first time. So Rocco Del Puri, from before you get to go to bed, before you got work in the morning. Last words for Subway Sports Talk. Today, Pete, you want to crack up? Pete said, "What? Well, what's your?" Uh... What's your out? And I thought it was like a, a, a lingo for a sports talk. I'm like, Mike Vrabel. He's like, no, out. What time do you have to be off the, the podcast by? Mike Vrabel, top, th- top five NFL head coach. Patty Boy, I know you agree with me on this. You saw his move. I'm a I don't huge. know if anyone knows. Down one point in the fourth quarter. Second and one. He's secretly sends out a 12th man to give them a first down to save 40 seconds on the clock. My top fantasy receiver, AJ Brown scores a touchdown with one second left and they go into overtime and win a player's coach. You brought out your bongo drums to make that point. <laughs> yeah, baby. That's what it sounded like coming through. But no, yeah, I'm a huge, huge Vrabel guy. I love him. He's so smart, dude. He is so smart. And yeah, you nailed it and everything right there. Unbelievable. Last week, I fostered uh, the Raiders. I should have fostered the Titans. 5-0, and rolling through. King, King Henry. I think they do it this year. I, I, they're playing a physical brand of football. And if uh, the Jets don't get Eric Bieniemy, I wouldn't mind the Titans OC. Wow. You know what? The way they do it, the way they operate there with Tannehill and commit to the run game, I mean, I don't know if uh, every team can be so confident without King Henry on their side. But, yeah, dude, the Titans are fun. Tannehill's slinging it, bro. I mean, does that hurt your feelings? Does that hurt your feelings? Oh, deep pain for me, brother. Deep pain. Seriously. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's another thing. 30 right? points that's a week in fantasy. That's an Adam Gase effect right there, man. He, he was head coach, in, I think, for seven, eight years or something like that. That's that's such an Adam Gase effect. Unbelievable. To- it was toxic on both ends. You got to get out. Oh, my God. Patty Boyle, last words. Two things really quickly. Belichick off a loss is a lock. Take the Patriots. And I'm going to keep it local. Thursday night, Giants-Eagles. Petey, you know how I feel about Wentz. It's going to be more of the same stuff. The Giants are going to go into the link, and they're going to take down the Eagles. This is a statement win for the Giants. I ultimately think it's just going to disappoint the fans even more because I don't think they're still going to make the playoffs. But I think this is the beginning of the end for Carson Wentz and this Eagles team, who is even now more banged up than they were before. I'm not taking too much stock into that near comeback they pulled off against Baltimore. Jeffrey's questionable. Jackson's questionable. Ertz is out now. This is an offensive line that has struggled to protect the quarterback. Daniel Jones runs roughshod over the Eagles defense, and the Giants take down Philly. No fans in the stands. No Philly fans in the stands. The Giants get it done. I'm taking the G-men. He went what? (laughs) I got to drop it again. I mean, I'm like almost with you, but that's what makes me nervous is that I almost agree with you. And – I'm probably the bigger Eagle supporter on this podcast here because I love Wentz so much. Uh, how do you not think the Giants have a chance? I'm with you. I love your confidence, Pat. That's fantastic. Uh, Chris Mule, last words. First off, I uh, just want to thank you guys for having me on. You guys have been great. Like I said, I listen uh, 
don't think I've missed a week yet. But uh, Pete, my man, thanks for hitting me up to have me come on. Pat, Rock, you guys are great. Um, obviously, I sparked Pete's interest today because of the big headline. So I'll, 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 I'll uh, finish off on that. Um, bold prediction. I had to really think about it. I know Pete asked me before. I'm going to say that the Dolphins with Tua behind the helm with a healthy Tua go nine and seven might sneak into that last extra wild card spot that the NFL uh, threw upon us this year. So that's one of my uh, bold predictions. But, you know, I actually love what Pat just said. Belichick coming off a loss is a fantastic play right after uh, having a rough week with uh, the Sharks, PD. And, yo, they, um, they, they get to practice. The Patriots should, yeah. in theory, be able to practice this week, and that should help. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, it was fun being on here, guys, chopping it up. But, um. Yeah, you know, hopefully my Dolphins and Tua, we ride off into the sunset and we got our guy for the next 15 years, so. Cheers. That's great. I hope I hope so, too, because I'm a Tua guy. I, I really am, so I'm, I'm rooting for the Dolphins. I actually, you know, I'll do, part of my last words, I'll do a wrap-up from uh, me and Rock last week. We did a little thing where we did the Foster fan program for the, for the New York fans. We, we mentioned a couple teams. I mentioned the Dolphins as one of mine. I mentioned the Steelers. Holy hell. The Steelers, bro. Oh, oh, my God. Who are you going to stop? Who do you cover? Juju Smith-Schuster had what? Like one or two catches this week? Didn't matter. Didn't matter. The best receiver on their team, you know, it doesn't matter because Claypool, Washington, Johnson, James Conner, they're, they're, they're running crazy intense on defense. They're crushing the run game uh, on, on defense. So the Steelers are incredible. Um, and then, yeah, the Falcons. Rock. They, they blew it for you. They got a win. The Falcons got a win. Now. Yeah, no, no, that's what that. that's what you needed. They didn't. They, they wanted that. That's what you wanted. Now, now I'm hoping Giants got to beat the Eagles because the Eagles don't want a QB. Then you got to sneakily watch Washington. Mm. That's that's it right there. Enough. And then and I think even the Jaguars. Jaguars won Week One. Very scary times right now to be a Jet fan. <laughs> that's good stuff. Uh, and my last last words as I did that little wrap up there. Just got to keep an eye on, on Patty Boyle's guy, Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying. I know he was injured. I know they're 4-2. and two. I know they got some juice. But if you're telling me you're super confident that Baker Mayfield's better than Case Keenum, I don't know. Kevin stop. Stefanski. Stop May- watching Colin Coward. Dude, I'm just <laughs> saying, bro. Keenum is, at this point in life, what Baker Mayfield probably should be as a young quarterback in this league. A guy who's not afraid to throw it down the field, but is mostly just not going to mess up, right? That's kind of what Case Keenum did when uh, he had his season as a start. What was he with the Broncos? Well, who the hell was he starting for a couple years ago? It was the Broncos, right? And he had a nice little season. Baker Mayfield needs to not mess up. That's what he needs to do, and he consistently messes up. I'm just It's something to keep an eye on. It's not going to happen this week, but... There's definitely thoughts in the Browns organization that uh, he may not be the guy, Baker Mayfield. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Also, the Dodgers up 7-1 and climbing in the sixth inning as we speak here. 8-1, I apologize. Uh, They're rolling. Kershaw, nice start for the World Series. We'll, We'll continue to talk all things sports on Subway Sports Talk. We're sneaking up on uh, some NBA draft talk in a couple weeks. Don't look for it just yet. We got NFL every week. We got the World Series. We'll probably do a wrap-up when that ends up. Uh, fantastic stuff. For Chris Mule, Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Puri, I'm Pete Kennedy. This is Subway Sports Talk. Thanks all for listening.